You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 110. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. As of always, it is wonderful to have you back here listening to the show. It's a great opportunity to reach out, to talk to you about a topic that has been streaming through my brain. Um, I've got this vision of where this episode will go. Let's see if I can manifest that and see where you can start to incorporate this into your life. I would really very much like to see your inner self talk begin to bring about positive feelings in yourself. And yesterday, I'm talking to my therapist. And so many of my topics for this show ultimately come from the conversations that Melissa and I ultimately end up having. And at some point, self-worth versus self-esteem came up. And she just had some really great ways of helping me reframe what it is that I do in my life, where I can start to really pay attention to my shadow self attacking me without even realizing that it's happening. Because I often will doubt what I'm doing with my career, right? Like I, I've got some friends that are in sobriety and recovery and different stages, and they have no intentions of going off and and doing any of the things that I do with mine. And for me, I often look back at those very first 90 to 180 days. And I wonder, how did I get here? How did this become my life, right? The, the two podcasts, the books, the speaking, the training, the coaching. And in the back of my mind, I've just always thought, what other choice did I really have? Like this just became this powerful energy within me. As I learned things, I wanted to share and talk about things. And as I shared and talked about them with just within my inner circle or at meetings, people would just really enjoy what I was saying. And I think because of my background in writing and broadcasting, it just seemed natural that doing a podcast about sobriety and recovery would be what I would do. I had a podcast called Everything's Interesting with Jesse Mogul. I wasn't really enjoying doing that podcast towards the end. I started to really talk more about my addiction recovery in that podcast. It's available if you want to go search it. Um, I did post it all up just for the sake of having all those old episodes posted. It's, It's like when you come across one of those uh, old commercials that a celebrity who's famous now did, and you're like, wow, that was that was a really rough. I can't believe they were doing commercials for peanut butter or something. <laughs> I always thought it'd be really cool in the future to be able to go back and have people listen to those very rough versions of me doing a podcast. And I'd already started to turn that one podcast into more of a sobriety show. And then it just, it just sort of seemed like a natural occurrence. Right, like I've talked about before, that everything I've created in my sobriety and recovery was was things that didn't exist, weren't even on my radar whenever I started this. And there's a lot of back and forth within myself about what is self-esteem and self-worth, because for years I was not good at taking compliments, and I would, you know, I would immediately give a compliment back to the complimenter. Or I would, you know, reject the compliment being like, oh, yeah, I mean, whatever, this old thing or, yeah, you know, I guess I've been working out a little bit rather than just embracing the fact that I knew 
I had put in a lot of effort to get to where I'm at. And I think that could be the case for a lot of us, that compliments, it's almost difficult to take. And perhaps it's from programming as a child when we're being told by our parents, don't gloat, you know, be a good winner, be a good sport. So when we do something good in our lives and people want to pat us on the back and they want to commend us for the effort and the determination and the discipline that we show to achieve something, we tend to want to just push it off as, as oh, this old thing, you know, of course I did that. But that's not the case. A lot of effort goes on in the shadows. A lot of effort goes on when there's not a spotlight happening, when there isn't anyone paying attention. I like to reference Michael Phelps whenever I bring up this kind of subject matter because that man swam hundreds, probably thousands of miles. Definitely thousands of miles. I hear he swam like 20 miles a day whenever he was preparing for that seven gold medal Olympics that he did. I think that was back in Greece. Point is, is that all those thousands of miles were swam without people cheering him on. And then when he finally was in front of the crowd, he was able to produce. Like he earned that gold medal. He earned the the applause because 99% of the effort happened when no one was even paying attention. And that's what's going on with us. 99% of the effort is happening when no one's paying attention. Only we know what we're putting ourselves through. Only we know how much we're digging into that closet, unearthing the skeletons, shining lights on sufferings and pain. Like pain is inevitable as humans, but the suffering is optional. Write that down on a whole sheet of paper. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. You're not responsible for your trauma. Your trauma is not, okay, let me, I said that wrong. <laughs> let me go back. Your trauma is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal it. And somebody once left a pretty, um, instant. They, want, they wanted to instigate an argument with me on Instagram of many, 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 many posts ago about how that might be triggering for some people to hear that their trauma is not their fault, but healing it is their responsibility. And if that's triggering to you, then you've got some healing to do. That's the easiest way I can say it. And I've never been one to hold back punches, so I'm not going to start doing it now. I didn't do it then, and I'm definitely not going to do it now. Your trauma isn't your fault. What happened to you as a child isn't your fault. But healing through it now and not carrying around that weight very much is. And it it can definitely, this is one of those places where I feel like I could really use the word always. It will always affect your self-worth if you're holding on to that trauma thinking that it's your fault. And then you're not healing through it. You have to heal through it for yourself, not for the perpetrator, right? If we're, if we're looking at the disempowerment dynamic, you want to heal through it, not because of the villain and not because you're waiting for a hero, because you're sitting in the seat of a victim. And in order to step into empowerment, you have to step into the seat of the creator. You go from victim to creator where you create your life. And yes, you can look for people like me to coach you, but I'm not your hero. I'm just your coach. I open your mind to the possibilities that were always there that you just perhaps didn't see them because you just didn't see them. We have blind spots as humans. That's why other humans are there to help us. That's where that personal growth and contribution and significance, when we reference Tony Robbins' six human needs, 
significance, growth, contribution. That's where that stuff starts to come into play. Connection and love is another one. Other humans can help us see our blind spots, but they can't increase our self-worth. Our self-worth is up to us to increase. Self-esteem, and this is some of the stuff that Melissa and I talked about, self-esteem comes from external validations. You put on some muscle, you lost some weight, you you got some new clothes, you got a new car, you did something, right? And it's an external. You see it in yourself in the mirror, you walk down to the garage and you've got a new car, other people notice things about you. These are the external validators. And they're great and all. But because we've talked about hedonistic adaptation before on this show, I know that term is familiar to you. The human mind just gets used to stuff. That's what hedonistic adaptation is. It just adapts to what's, what we've achieved, what we have going on. So the esteem that we get from these external validators will dissipate. And if we're constantly seeking self-esteem to be, to be exalted from us externally, right? if, we're, if we're always looking for that self-esteem, to be increased externally, then we have to be doing things that get noticed externally all the time because we will have the hedonistic adaptation. The nice car everyone's complimenting you on one week is just the same old car you've been driving six months later, but it's still the awesome car you got. Self-worth, however, is internal. It's where you see your value. It's where you see that you have worth. It's where you see that there's a reason why you were put on this planet. There is a journey your soul is going on. It is up to you to define that. It is up to you to see your own self-worth. I can't give you all the compliments in the world and that make your self-worth feel better. If you feel better when I compliment you or I say something amazing, then that is your esteem being improved. It is not your self-worth. Self-worth is valuing yourself through yourself. I have these issues with myself, valuing myself, what it is I do. I absolutely catch myself seeking external validation. Yesterday I gave a presentation and I thought it was clunky. I didn't think I necessarily organized the material as effectively as I could have. It was the first time I put on the presentation. I absolutely thought that I was all over the place. I had my own things going on inside my mind that were actually causing me to be less present in the presentation, right? And I still put it on. And again, I'd have given myself like a 7 out of 10 on it. But the person who hired me, who brought me in to give the presentation, gave me amazing compliments. It didn't make me feel any better inside, but at least there external view of what it was I did was positive. So it it increased my self-esteem very little because I was like, okay, good. I'm glad you liked it. I, however, did not. I did not like it. I have since practiced multiple times reading over the material. I have reorganized it. I'm doing what it is I can do to fulfill my esteem around that presentation. But it still isn't going to increase my self-worth about how I feel about myself because my self-worth is internal. I have to see the value in myself for what it is I do. I have to believe that I matter for myself. I have to believe that I have a value that goes beyond anything that can be externally reciprocated or even externally explained. 
What is my worth as a human? I thought getting sober was what my soul's journey was for this life cycle. And then the deeper I got into my sobriety and then ultimately stepped into addiction recovery, I realized that it wasn't just enough for me to get sober and for me to be able to go into addiction recovery extremely confident that my new life would always win out over my old life. It then became my purpose to show other people that this was possible for them too. It's not enough that I just do it for myself. Now I want to do it for the world. And that isn't like some obnoxious statement that I say, oh, build statues in my honor. And do I honestly think that I'll ever be able to reach every single ear on this planet? Okay, rationally, the answer should be no. But it's like when Melissa tells me something awesome, and then I come and tell you guys on this podcast, thousands of people will hear those words come out of my mouth that were started from her. And then you'll go off and you'll tell one or two people. And if we go play the Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation game, everybody is six degrees of separation from everybody else on this planet. It only needs to be told to six other people before the entire world hears it. Now, do I get the satisfaction of knowing that when I say something, uh, let's see, that, like, play it through to the credits, one of my favorite things to talk about. Do I get the satisfaction of knowing that somebody in Zimbabwe or Thailand or New Zealand has heard that too, and not even from me, but from, like, five or six people down the line? I don't. This isn't a movie. I don't get to, under, I don't get to see the butterfly effect of my words. But I feel very positive that I can affect every single person on this planet the more that I get out there and the more I spread my word the more that I tell people that addiction recovery is amazing, that it can be easily, easy and effortless, that it doesn't have to be hard, that not every single day has to be a challenge because you see the challenges. You're the one who determines if it's a challenge. Do you overcome the challenge? Does it even appear to be a challenge to you? Right? Like It's all about how our mind is interpreting what we think of as reality that's happening in front of us. But we know that our mind is creating our reality, not describing it. Right? Ten people um, read the same newspaper article, and all ten of them have a different internal picture, an internal movie that they create around that. Everybody has their own way of interpreting life, even though what you've read in that newspaper article is just what you've read. And that was somebody else's interpretation of that event. So how you're interpreting the world is really, it's all up to you. Do you see your addiction recovery and your sobriety journey as being extremely hard and challenging and every day is a struggle and you're barely making it through? Or do you see it as something that is a, awesome and that, it, that it, ta- it does take energy and it does take effort, but it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be a struggle. It doesn't have to leave you crippled, lying in bed, crying. Do you say, no, flip the covers off and get up and start to do something positive for yourself, positive for someone else close to you. When you start to see the way that we're visualizing this, and after 110 episodes, I mean, come on, like, you know, you know who I am at this point. You know the energy that you're going to get. When you start looking at ways to increase your self-esteem or increase your self-worth, 
I can do all of these things with the show. I can do all of these things with my programs and my coaching and all that. Right? That's going to increase my self-esteem. When each day you get deeper into your sobriety and recovery, it increases that self-esteem when you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, wow, look how much healthier I look or look how much money more money I have in my bank account or look how much more time I have to dedicate to my hobbies. Like This is stuff that you see externally. But is it increasing your self-worth? Because that self-worth comes internal. And so ways that I'm, I'm consciously paying attention to my self-worth is realizing that I have value. Right? If you want to go all the way back to the very beginning, two million some sperm were fighting it out over one egg, and somehow this version of Jesse won out. Whatever version came out of my mother's womb was still going to be named Jesse, but would it have been this version of Jesse? I already won out over two million other sperm just to be here. (laughs) That alone brings worth. The things that I have overcome, the things that I have seen and experienced and turned into versions uh, of my personality, right? I have to step back and say, what is it? I bring to myself. Self-worth isn't things like my appearance, how much money I have in my bank account, who I know or my social circle, my career, what I've achieved. These are not things that are self-worth. For years, for years, I was a waiter. I was offered other jobs and I thought, you know, and I, whether I thought I couldn't do the job or whether I just thought I wouldn't like the job, whatever it was, I'd even leave being a waiter and a bartender and I'd go do other things. And I always came back to being a waiter and a bartender. And I just thought, wow, that's all I am. I'm just a waiter or a bartender. I literally would tell people like, my job doesn't have any importance. All I do is give people a reason to go to the bathroom. I feed them and give them beverages. So they're, they're, they're either doing a number one or a number two because they came, they came into my restaurant. Like, that's, what is that? that, that that's, not a, that's not a meaningful career. I don't have meaning because all I am is a bartender. Like, let's just forget about all those amazing memories that people have at restaurants when they get together and have family reuni- reunions or birthdays or anniversaries. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't even paying attention to that aspect of it. Even though... I would be willing to say all of us have at least one memory of going to a restaurant for a gathering with friends and family members and loved ones that that we hold on to. Now, you're not remembering the bartender or the waiter from that, but you are remembering that experience. But I I didn't even attach any positive self-esteem to that. I was just a waiter. I had $2,000 in my bank account. I woke up hungover five days a week. My hair is thinning out. It's oily. Right. I don't have a I don't I don't have a popular social circle. Then I moved to Hollywood, right? Learned how to dress a little bit better, started having a lot more money in my bank account because I worked at some pretty fancy hotels. All of a sudden I did have a social circle with some famous people in it, with some celebrities. Like literally in my phone. I'd be able to text people that were on Grey's Anatomy. I'd be able to text people that were on CSI New York. I mean I'd be able to text some people, I'm like, hey, People would know this name if I said it, but I was still just a bartender and a waiter. Yeah, I was doing some improv and some stand-up and knew more famous people through that, but whatever. I wasn't getting paid for it. I wasn't getting paid much. 
So I was still just a bartender and waiter. Still didn't have much self-esteem. Even though I had achieved going and graduating college, even though it took 12 years, I stuck with it. Right? Even though I achieved visiting 15 different countries with an overseas job, even though I had achieved having great friends who laughed when they saw me and enjoyed my company, these achievements didn't increase my, my self-worth. They barely increased my self-esteem. Because it turns out unconsciously, I have a much stronger connection to my self-worth than I do to my self-esteem. External validation does very little for me. I appreciate it. I honor it. The messages I get from you all, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or email, I honor every single one of them. You have brought me to tears. Well, I don't cry very well, but you've gotten me verklempt. Tears have filled my eyes. <laughs> they don't normally run down my face. I'm still healing through that. I, when, my, when I buried my mother, I, I implanted an anchor unbeknownst to me that was going to frustrate me for years ahead. But I told myself, well, this is pretty much the saddest experience I'll ever have in life. Unless I have you know, a wife and a child and you know, they were to die. I was like, this is the saddest experience I'll ever have in my life, burying my mother. And so somehow my unconscious mind heard that as there's no other reason to cry because this is the saddest experience we'll ever have. Boy, I really <laughs> would love to go back and not have told myself that. Even with all my NLP, there's still a lot of work to be done about releasing that anchor, about only being able to cry at your mother's funeral, because there's a lot of other reasons to cry. <laughs> it doesn't always have to just be burying your mom. But I instilled that anchor in, and now I'm having a hard time re- re- figuring out why I brought that up just now. I was talking about self-worth and my attachment to self-esteem. I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up. Anyways, let's go back to the self-worth, self-esteem, unconscious mind. Please uh, remind me why I brought up that mother story. So self-worth matters more to me than the esteem. Oh, maybe I was talking about the, yes, thank you, unconscious mind. So Instagram, you guys send me awesome stuff. My eyes get filled with tears. So like that stuff matters to me. It does, but it doesn't have the same kind of impact as building up my own self-worth does. And I work on this. How do I value myself? What matters to me about myself? What values do I hold dear that cause me to naturally grow my self-worth? Right? I, for years I thought, and still, still to this day, there is a part of me that starts to rummage through my brain and think, okay, well, my to-do list, this will help me increase my self-worth. I'll launch a live masterclass coaching program, and I'll help people um, understand their minds better, overcome their pain, um, release anger that causes them to break down their relationships. I'll help people love themselves. I'll help people understand how their mind works, and, and I'll be able to help, help people understand that um, a trigger doesn't mean that they need to go back to the bottle or the drugs, right? Like I'll, I start to, I mean, I've really reshaped brains over here with whatever, what I'm doing. And this is their words, not even mine. But yet still, still not filling up the self-worth cup. My job, what I do, I have been told by people that it's God's work. That's brilliant. I love that you think that. That's some self-esteem building awesomeness right there. Still not going to naturally build up my self-worth, right? Social media following. 
I got obsessed with getting over 10,000 followers on Instagram for like a year. Also, I could have a swipe up feature. And me and one of my other business partners, we love to laugh about how many people put their self, they think they're building up their self-worth by getting all these numbers on Instagram. But that's self-esteem because it's external. We've covered that. And ultimately, if you walk away from Instagram for a couple months, you might go back and hundreds of those people have unfollowed you for whatever reason. It doesn't lower down my self-worth. I'm still worth whatever I thought I was worth before. Any self-esteem I might have had about that could dissipate, but that wasn't real self-esteem anyways. It's just numbers on a phone. If the electric grid goes down, everything that we've created on social media never existed. It's gone. Well, it did exist at one point. It just doesn't exist anymore. Another thing people attach self-worth to that's unjust is their age. Other people as well, right? You're too old. You're too young. I have been told in the same day that I am old and that I am young. <laughs> that tells me right there that, that neither one actually exists. I am just getting ready to turn 45. Talk to a 20-year-old, they think I'm old. Talk to a 60-year-old, they think I'm young. That's just their perspective from their model of the world. When you start to look at how you can begin to increase your self-worth versus seeking constant external, uh, that self-esteem, my brain just stalled. It's like when you seek out that external validation. External validation only gets you so far. How are you increasing your own self-worth? Now, some of the ways that me and Melissa talked about uh, were positive affirmations. You know, what are you saying to yourself that will allow you to begin to see yourself in a better light? It's all about what you're doing on the inside. There's no easy button to just automatically make yourself have self-worth, right? You could have a child and be a great father and always show up to things on time and change diapers in the middle of the night. That's external. But what are you thinking about yourself when you're doing those things? What values are you instilling in yourself when you say you're going to do something, you commit to it and you see it through. Oh my goodness, we're going to have a baby. And then you, you do your best to, to always show up on time to be emotionally intelligent and to raise them emotionally intelligent so that they cannot have to deal with the traumas that you are working through now as an adult. Right? So now you value love. You, you value friendship. You, you value um, this acceptance in your home. So often, I can forget that what increases my self-worth is an adherence to the values that I have decided are important to me. I value freedom and control. I value learning and growth. And I value creative expression. These are like my top four that I'm always circling back to. And it's funny that I would value freedom and control because you would think that control actually takes away freedom. I like to control situations. I like to feel like I have control over my career. I don't always work well with others because I like to have control over the project. But there's a freedom that comes from releasing some of that control. 
and watching how other people can grow an idea that I've brought to the table into a direction I didn't even previously see it going. I didn't actually lose control there. I actually gained freedom from having to be the only one in in control of this idea or project. Learning and growth. Anytime I learn something new and I might be like, why did I even read that? Be like, well, that's something cool that you can incorporate into what you talk about. And it helps you grow. You can read an article about how like 90% of bees don't live in hives and they live in the ground and they're all over the planet and we don't even realize that there's this many bees and that the toxins that we're putting all over our vegetables are, are actually poisoning these ground bees and causing them not to be fertile and not to, to have uh, the ability to grow their own ground hive or whatever. And, and now all of a sudden, that's why we're having the problem with colony collapse disorder. Like, I love bees. I'm obsessed with them. They make our food. At the same time, does, do I need that information in my brain? But it helps me It helps me grow in a way that says, oh, okay, now I'm starting to see a whole other aspect of how nature is being damaged by humans. And then when, when I, you know, I'm walking in the woods and I see some garbage laying there, um, unconsciously, I just cannot walk by it. The moment I see it, I want to pick it up. The moment I'm out walking, I'm just like, the garbage cannot stay. If I didn't bring something to carry it off with and I have no choice but to leave that, I don't feel great about it. But it reminds me to pick up garbage, to be mindful of how I do my garbage. And I might be like rambling on here about that, but it's all part of the learning and growth. That matters to me. Then I think, okay, where are ways that I can begin to use my creativity to help different situations? Right, if I read something, and this is what my brain does all over the place, you should see it right now. I've got three different screens opened up on the two of my computers so I could reference the six human needs, so I could reference the 14 empowerment laws of NLP, so I could keep an eye on my notes. I've got all this different stuff in my head, I'm constantly just adding because it all gets into this stew of Jesse's brain and it increases my self worth knowing that I'm bringing value to my own self. And that's how I can start to bring this back in and tighten it up over the last four minutes of rambling this, is that what values do you hold dear? No matter how much I went to research this, and I definitely got myself in a rabbit hole, and there's so many different websites. I mean, just type in self-worth versus self-esteem and just see all the stuff that comes up. And there's just, there's so many different ways, and no one really seems to have a clear-cut way of how to grow your self-worth because it's different for every human. But how do you see that you have worth? What do you need to be doing in your life to prove to yourself that you deserve to exist? Because you do deserve to exist. You have earned the right to exist. You fought off two million other sperm to be here. Whatever happened to you in childhood or in adolescence, that is what it is. It is your responsibility to heal through it now and to seek out your self-worth from the trials and tribulations that you have overcome. But I can't just instill self-worth in you. I can say positive things like, wow, you used to be an angry person, but now you're so calm and you're so tranquil and you get along with everyone. That's an external validation. Do you see that in yourself? And have you attached that behavior to a value? What is it that you value now in your life that is causing you to be tranquil and calm in situations you previously would have been angry in? Do you value tranquility and calm now? 
Do you value connection now? And in order to be connected to other humans and connected to yourself, you cannot find yourself in this constant spin cycle of automatic negative thoughts and angry interactions. That is like, okay, intent versus behavior. If your intent is to be calm and tranquil and loving towards people, but your behavior is snapping at everyone the moment they say anything and constantly starting up arguments where there doesn't need to be one, then your behavior is not congruent with your intent. If your intent is to be a happy, sober person and to see how sobriety and recovery can be easily and effortlessly experienced and that it doesn't have to be a struggle, if that is your intent, and then you lay in bed and, you, and you're constantly arguing with yourself, questioning why, starting fights with other people, starting fights in your own head with yourself, if you're waking up being like, ah, I'm so tired, ah, God, this, this day was so stressful, I wish I could just have a drink, but I can't because I got sober. That is not the behavior of someone who has the intent of seeing sobriety and recovery and recovery as being amazing experience. It's not sobriety and recovery that sucks sometimes. It's just life. Pain is inevitable. The suffering is the option. You're all doing the best you can with the resources you have. But if you're seeking out ways of being better, of increasing your self-worth, then you're then the resources you have in the moment, you want to increase. You come out and you listen to podcasts like mine. You read books. But how are you internalizing those? How are you increasing your self-worth? If people have all the resources they need to succeed and achieve their desired outcomes, right? But then at the same time, everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have, right? These are two different tenets of NLP that you have all the resources that you need to be the best version of yourself. You're also doing the best you can with these resources. And then I'm coming in and saying, hey, there's other resources out there too. What this, what, what this big circle I've just thrown at you really is saying is that there are no um, unresourceful people. There's unresourceful states. And when you find yourself getting frustrated or angry or lacking self-worth, that is an unresourceful state. How can you begin to instill self-worth in yourself? Melissa gave me some ideas, daily affirmations, positive self-talk, putting positive post-its or writing nice things about yourself on your mirror at home. They might say, you know, I'm pretty enough. I'm smart enough. I'm bright enough. Not even, I, 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 when I, when I, even as I'm typing that out, it's like, what does the word enough mean anyways? That's your own internal representation. And pretty isn't I don't I don't care if people think I'm handsome. I'm not even sure I care if I think I'm handsome. Uh, my looks are my looks. One of the reasons I like to work out, as I say, I can't have a pot belly and be bald at the same time. I only get to choose one or the other, and I don't have control over my hair, so I can at least control my physical appearance. My physical appearance is important to me, in as much as it when I look at myself in the mirror and I see that I'm in good shape, that tells me that I have adhered to my seven power principles of taking action, of being disciplined, of exercising flexibility, of being tenacious. These principles are part of my value system. So I'm going to get you out of here on this. Your self-worth is your job to work on. Hell, it, let's remove the word job and say it's your play. 
Play with it. Have fun with it. Your self-worth is your responsibility. It's not the same as self-confidence. I can have confidence and I'm going to get on the microphone and say some cool stuff that doesn't necessarily increase my self-esteem or my self-worth. When you come back and say, man, that was a really awesome episode. Okay, now that's worked on my self-esteem and it's given me more self-confidence in my next episode. And it still has not increased my self-worth. My self-worth comes from me. I have to begin to explain to myself how it is that I'm building up worth in my own eyes. When I develop my growth mindset, when I'm courageous in spite of fear, when I'm decisive and I make decisions and I move on them, I'm taking action. When I'm embracing discipline for these actions and I do them consistently, I'm exercising flexibility and understanding that not everything is ever going to play out the way that I had originally hoped. So be flexible in the situations. Sometimes it takes me five seconds to be flexible. Sometimes it takes me five days or five months. But eventually the flexibility begins to flex itself. Then I embody tenaciousness. I step into each and every moment of my life seeking to be the best version of myself. And as Rumi said, Rumi, Rumi, that which you are seeking is also seeking you. These are my seven powerful principles I talk about in my College Success Habits book. And they all tie in with freedom, control, love, uh, learning and growth, and creative expression. I have like 20 values that I run my life by. I just only have the certain ones I'm always bringing up. This is where you figuring out the values that you have in your life. What values matter to you? What value are you bringing to yourself? What value do you think you have in the world? It's instinctual to have self-doubt. Oftentimes we were praised very little for the good things we did as children. And we were chastised very much so for the perceived negatives that we did as children. So we've learned to not do things badly or we're going to get yelled at. And we don't praise ourselves enough when we do things good. This is, this is that foundation of that self-doubt where you'll, you'll experience something. You'll do something great and you'll be like, oh, good. Well, that was what I was supposed to do. No, I mean, celebrate it a little bit. One of my newest catchphrases is you get that confetti. You accomplish something. You get that confetti. And when you don't do something up to the ability that you would prefer to have, right, then you seek out reasons And then you work around those so that the next time you perform better. But it's all in how you're perceiving that better. You can't lie to yourself. Other people can pat you on the back and say, hey, great presentation. But if in the back of my mind, I know that that wasn't my best self stepping forward, no matter how much praise they give me, I'm still going to want to go back into my room, open up that computer, and work to make that presentation even better. Because if they thought that was good, wait till they see the best version of myself show up and give that presentation. And whenever I work on that presentation and that speech, and then I go off and give it, and it's just the next one, it's just like, wow, I mean, it flows. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, that's it. I was disciplined. I took action. I was flexible. I definitely uh, brought some creative expression. That's how I'm going to be building up my self-worth from now on. Thank God Melissa is in my life that she can remind me of these things. Why is it when I do something 
externally and it's validated that it doesn't build up my self-worth, it's because self-worth is built up internally. And I believe that it's an adherence to my principles and values that cause me to see that I'm growing and I'm becoming this best version of myself. I very much think that while I believe my purpose in life was to get sober and help others get sober and see how beautiful and easy and effortless it can be to just be sober, I still don't think I've completely figured out what my purpose in life is yet. And I have no hurry to figure that out because I think it's a constantly growing and evolving thing. See that when I say that, being sober and in addiction recovery can be easy and effortless. It doesn't mean that healing through the traumas is necessarily easy and effortlessly accomplished. It doesn't always have to be hard and a challenge either. But at the foundation of sobriety is just not getting intoxicated. At the very least, we can agree that creating a life where we don't want to get intoxicated anymore is absolutely possible. That part can be easy and effortless. As one of my tribal members, Tim, said, he's like, you just don't drink. You just don't use drugs. You just take that off the table as an option. It's not an option. It wasn't a damn good option whenever it was an option. Was it? Seriously. I'm sitting with my tribe last night and we're talking about guilt and shame. And I'm like, we're all chuckling because we all have tons of guilt and shame about our behaviors back then. Like, at what point in our brains do we think that going back to that world is a good option? Melissa brought up this really cool example, and I'll leave you guys on this, that she's had someone who's been sober for a couple years Back when they decided to get sober, their life was in shambles. A divorce was imminent. They lost their job. Their bank account was in ruins. Their health was falling apart. Pretty much, you know, the usual suspects were all present in the why should I get sober conversation. And so this person got sober. And about three years later, they were in another happy relationship. Their finances were doing great. Their business was booming. They were extremely healthy. And they thought, well, maybe I could just have one. Well, I think we all know how that turned out. And a few months later, when this person ended up back in front of her, they're like, okay, okay, I was wrong. I, I, I needed to test the waters to see if, I could, if, if that whole I could just have one was a viable option moving forward, and clearly it's not. And then this person was actually able to step into real deep healing addiction recovery. This is why I tell people, and I will say it, and I'm not, I'm not encouraging the relapse, but I'm absolutely saying that relapses are great if it's a learning experience for you. If you go into it and say, okay, well, I thought this way, so I did this thing, and it didn't work out. So what can I learn from this experience, and how can I move forward knowing that I have learned this? No reason at all to tear yourself down if you relapse. No reason at all for even me to tear myself down when I get... um I get emotionally triggered and I start to get in an argument and I behave in a way that old drunk Jesse used to behave. Sure, I don't want to behave that way, but we're humans. All right? We're going to get emotionally triggered. We're not always going to be in the right frame of mind to, to slow our roll and it's going to happen. So then I step back after the fact and say, okay, what can I learn from that experience? I behaved in a way I did not want to behave. How can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? And how can I make sure that the next time I show up even as the, a better version of myself? Where can I start to attach what I just did 
in the negative behavior I displayed, where can I go back and I can reevaluate it through my principles and my values so that I can anchor in a more positive behavior next time so that I can get emotionally grounded when otherwise I would have been emotionally triggered. People are not their behaviors. You accept yourself. You change the behavior. If you drink, use drugs, yell, scream, lie, cheat, steal, when you do these things, of course you don't want to be doing them. You already know inherently that those are not good behaviors to to bring out the best version of yourself. But you don't need to tear yourself down over it. You don't need to beat yourself up, destroy your self-worth, yell at yourself in the mirror. You need to sit down and evaluate why it was that you behaved that way. Attach it, attach the positive behavior to your principles and values, and then move forward knowing that next time that you'll behave differently. Daily affirmations, positive self-talk, positive post-it notes around your house absolutely are beneficial. But you can read a sentence saying, I am good enough, I am handsome, I am healthy, I am strong, I am loving, I am connected. You could read these positive affirmations all you want. But if you're not putting in the work and the effort to actually prove to yourself that you are focusing on these things, that you're improving in these areas, then they're shallow, hollow words. There are already millions upon millions and billions of people, in fact, that are disconnected from from their true selves. You don't get to be that person anymore. You took the blue pill, right? Isn't it the blue pill or is it? No, the red pill is the one that opens your mind up to reality. Yeah, because I once got into a big teary-eyed confession to my therapist about how I wish I had taken the blue pill and I could just plug back into the matrix and not know the truth. But you've already rung the bell, guys. You, you, You made either the mistake or the blessing to turn me on at episode one, and now you're at 110. You can't take the blue pill anymore. You've taken the red pill. You don't get to be one of those billions of people disconnected from reality. You don't get to be one of those billions of people who just floats through life thinking that everything's hunky-dory and that they're all good and that there's no area in their life that they could grow. That is bullshit. Everybody can grow. Everybody has multiple areas in their life where they could seek out the highest version of themselves. And when you start to seek out that higher version of yourself and you actually see yourself growing and attaining a more a, a closer proximity to this ultimate vision that you have around your principles and values, that is how you're growing your self-worth. That is how you are beginning to value yourself. That is, that is you showing yourself that you matter. That is absolutely internal. That is where you build your self-worth. All the external validation in the world can increase your self-confidence and your self-esteem, but it won't do anything for your self-worth because that comes from you. So speak more positively to yourself. Understand that you are not your behaviors, that your behaviors can be changed, but you as a person are of love and you're you're of this desire to grow and you're of this desire to be freed from the shackles that have been holding you down for so long in life. Your self-worth is up to you to grow. It's up to you to attain the best version of yourself. Once you actually feel that inside, I promise you, it'll be easier to take those compliments from the external world after the fact. If somebody compliments you and you want to brush it off, 
check in with yourself and find out where is it not meeting up with your own self-worth and then work on that. You do matter. You do have value. But by me saying that to you, that's just esteem and confidence coming your way. I need you to ask yourself why you matter. I need you to ask yourself why you have value. I need you to seek out your values and your principles and then begin adhering to them. Live your life through them. And I can assure you, it won't just be sobriety and recovery that are easy and effortless. It'll be your entire life. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of my life because I wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine. See you next week. Bye-bye. 